Hello, Vineyard. Hello, Vineyard 2.0. Welcome to season two. This is episode ten. Wow. Yeah, we've done probably over thirty Hello Vineyard, you know, Wednesday shows. We didn't start right at uh, the pandemic point, but uh, I think we started sometime in April, and we've done them every Wednesday since we did season one successfully. Now we're on season two. Morphed it with the uh, Vine Press thing that we were doing. Uh, you can submit questions, and we'll, you will answer them, mostly. I may chime in here and there, but uh, I'm here to host and press buttons. So, uh, <laughs> and, and we usually talk a little church stuff, too, at the end. But um, let's just jump right in. What do you say? You got anything to add, Dad? How you doing? You doing good? Yeah, I was about to say we should say yeah. hello. Or say hello. Think we don't ever. You know, we yeah, don't, yeah, yeah, no, we don't. Yeah, we really, we, we, we talk shop a lot. Yeah, yeah. We were sitting here just before, you know, talking, talking shop. about Thanksgiving. And, uh, and, and how excited we are to cook. Yeah, well, you know, I like Thanksgiving, and uh, we're not having our big, you know, we usually, we do a huge meal here, but uh, we can't this year because we, we just can't have all those people in here at once, and uh, there's no way to keep them distanced um, because it's, it's, it's a big deal. So, uh, but we are doing a, um, we're doing a pumpkin pie dessert pumpkin giveaway. Pumpkin pie. Yeah, we were going to do a little pumpkin bread pudding, but... Um, Logistically, it just just, it just became work. something that didn't quite work out. You'll get a pumpkin pie from us, frozen, heated up, done. You don't yeah. have to worry about dessert on Thanksgiving no, no. Day. It's pre-baked and frozen, so <laughs> you just and they're delicious. So uh, that's going to be a great thing. We're doing that this coming Saturday. That's the 21st. From 9 to 11. And then... Um, the Sunday's the last Sunday for Operation Christmas Child, if you're watching. Yeah. Uh, that's to bring in a physical box. But a lot of us are doing the online option, which is very convenient. <laughs> yeah, no. So it was really smart of them to get that yeah. started. And uh, we'll still bless kids. And then, you know, the other thing uh, I was thinking of, because we had this discussion, too, not this coming Sunday, the 20, is it the 22nd? Yeah. But the following on the 29th is? Uh Second to last day in November? The first Sunday in Advent. The first Sunday. Thank you. We did have that discussion. We have lots of discussions. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't mean to put you it, on the spot. Yeah, that was totally on the spot there. Sorry, I let everybody down. Yeah. First Sunday in Advent is not this Sunday, but the following Sunday. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I know. And then, uh, there, you know, there's the, that's very cool. And the four Sundays, you know, in Advent are just to keep us reminded of joy and hope and peace and love. And uh, they've been celebrated by the church for a couple of thousand years. So we look forward to engaging in that time. And that means pretty soon we'll actually be putting up some, some Christmas decorations. And it, it's really easy for me. I just put in some graphics on here and I'm done. But <laughs> yeah. my end of the responsibility is done. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's the way to do it. I kind of want to get one of these walls of the house and just project a tree there. Yeah. But, you know, anyway. Yeah, it's simpler than it once was. It's still very nice. We put poinsettias out and then we'll... Uh, We've got a uh, nativity that we put out, and we light it, and that'll be that. So, yeah, that's coming up soon. We'll probably do that right after Thanksgiving. Yep, so we will. Always a, a fun season. Okay. Okay, so uh, without further uh, small talk, weather, huh? No, let's, uh, let's jump in. Uh, first question's here, and uh, this person says, Would you please discuss Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6? Uh, this seems to be saying some who were partakers of the Holy Spirit saved, right, then fell away, never to be able to repent again. Uh, can we fall out of the process of sanctification? Okay, yes. So, uh, good question. And, uh, and so we kind of have to look at Hebrews for a moment uh, to talk about it, because whenever you, you're, you grab an issue like this, 
you, you kind of have to make sure that you have some context. So I just thought there's not a whole lot of questions. Let me take a moment and read it. Uh, Hebrews 6, not the whole thing, but let me read verse 1 through, say, verse 9. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings or basic teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, or that might be translated useless rituals, uh, and of faith in God, instruction about baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the world, uh, uh, the word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away to be brought back to repentance because uh, to their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. I think that's the verse that's mostly in question here. Uh, Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, uh, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are confident of better things in your case. I wanted to add that. Things that accompany salvation. All right. So you get the idea of what's going on. And be- before I engage in some of those paths, let's, for context sake, Hebrews. So the word is for everybody. I've been saying that and it applies to us. But... It, it's actually written to Jewish believers who are being so heavily persecuted that they're starting to think it would be better off to just go back through the traditional Judaism that they started with. And, and that's the issue. So that's primarily who this is being focused at. So remember, it's Jewish believers. And pretty much the whole church was Jewish believers. But the persecution was so intense that they were like, okay, we're just, we can't handle this. We're just going to go back to the old way of doing things. That's the discussion that is really happening here. And, you know, some fascinating things for me, uh, like if you look at verse 4 and 5, just things that happened for those, you know, who are actually Christians, um, you've been enlightened, you, you've, you've come into this relationship um, with Jesus, you know, the light uh, who's in the whole world and the Holy Spirit has come. You've shared, uh, you've tasted the heavenly gift. Uh, you've shared in the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit has come and dwelt in you. You've tasted the goodness of the word of God. The scripture has opened up to you. And the powers of the coming age. You know, I always say that, that the, the kingdom breaks through into the now. Uh, you know, uh, and into the, to the now from the not yet. And we see God at work. We're experiencing him at work at times in our lives. Uh, and, and then, you know, if they fall away, that's the issue. So first off, you know, the, the thing that's happening there is these are the things that you experience as a believer. As a real believer, you're experiencing all these things. They, that Things change. And, and there's a connection between you and God that, that you, you get a hold of. You, you get a hold of Holy Spirit living in you. You, you start to see all these things. That's, that's what happens when people come in to, to know Jesus. Those are the things that we experience. Now, you know, it may not be a you know, knock you out of your seat kind of experience. But the reality is there. Uh, another fascinating thing is, you know, that he's saying, look, and let's, let's make sure that you've at least got the basics of your faith. <laughs> and, and the basics are uh, verses 1 and 2. Um, uh, uh, here we go. Um, repentance from acts that lead to death or, or useless. You can't go back to things, which is what they used to celebrate as 
things that didn't make a difference, right? All of the stuff that, that only Jesus could satisfy. You, you, you're going to go back. You can't go back to those things. They don't work, and you know that. Uh, faith in, in God and what he's said and what he's done and, and what it means to, to be in relationship with him and all he's done for us. Instructions about baptism. Why we actually are, uh, what happens when we're baptized? What's going on with that? And that's a basic, you know, like people need to know. But why does the church baptize people? Well, it, Jesus, you know, told us to, but it connects us with his death and resurrection. It's a, it's a picture. It's a, it's the way that we engage and enter into the family of God, you know, and, and there's a lot of people in churches who couldn't explain why. Oh, it's just something they do. No, it's important that we do it. It's making this connection that we need to have, um, with Jesus. Uh, the laying on of hands, why we pray for one another and encourage, you know, and, and bless what the Holy Spirit is doing in people's lives, uh, in the process. Uh, understanding the resurrection of the dead, you know, that the early church believed in a physical resurrection for themselves. That wasn't something that's been added. That was really a new thing, new physical bodies. And a lot of the church has gotten away from that and, and is sort of sort of thinks that heaven itself is the end point And we're just it, we, we have this escape notion that that's what we're looking for is just to escape. When when we understand as we read scripture and we see Revelation 21 that new heaven is coming to earth and this is renewed and we get new physical bodies. That's a basic elementary teaching that the, a lot of times the, the church nowadays doesn't really hang on to and eternal judgment that that there's a. You know, that, that uh, God wants to be in relationship with people who choose to be in relationship with him. Not because, oh, well, you know, that's just the way it works and everybody's going to get a pass at the end. Because, you know, God's a loving God. He is a loving God, so loving that he came and paid for all the mess that we've done, even because we've always wanted to go our own way. He did everything. But we still have to choose. And then, you know, people go, oh, how could God, you know, push people away at the end? God's just going to honor people's choices. And, and when you think about it, um, why would you want to spend eternity with God if you don't love him now? That wouldn't be a, a win. He's just honoring your choice. Think about that. Those are elementary things that, that we need to understand as a church. And then he jumps in and says, so you've got to have the basics down. And then when you experience all the things that we experience as believers, um, the, the idea is there's no way you would even consider going back. Now, is, is what the writer of Hebrews is saying that, that in answer to your question, you know, that's what's going to happen? That's not the question that he's, that's not what he's going for. He's, he's just telling them that going back isn't an option. That he's making that very clear to them. Now that you've tasted these things, if you've really experienced what it means to believe you wouldn't even, that's not, you would know that's not an option for you. Um, to answer your question more specifically, you sort of need to go and read Romans chapters 5 through 8, where Paul says, no, you can't be yanked out of that process. But Paul is addressing that question there. And so it's a little different. That's really not what the writer of Hebrews is doing, and not what he expects from the people that are seeing this, because it says in, in verse 9 there, we don't think this is where you're at, but this is what would happen. And so the idea there is, if when you really connect... When, when, for you, if, you, if you get a hold of who Jesus is, right? so it's not like, it's not just that you're coming to church and you're kind of around it. Um, and, and, and then at some point you go, yeah, that's not for me, and you walk away. That's, if you really get who Jesus is, what it means to have Holy Spirit dwelling in you, what it means to have the Scripture come alive to you, if that becomes real to you, you don't walk away. 
That's, that's how I think that you just wouldn't. You, you were like, well, nothing compares to this. There's nothing better out there. If you, if you can walk away, I would say that you never really got it. That's just me. Now, people might not like that answer, but I think that people who do that never really experienced it, no matter what they say. Because once you experience these things, you, you wouldn't walk away from it. You just wouldn't. You know, you could get angry, you could get upset, but you would realize there's nothing else like it. So, so that's how I would answer that question. And uh, like I said, he's, he's not the question that you have, you know, can we get yanked out of that process? You, really, Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 5 through 8, and Paul would say no. So that's um, emphatically no. But, but uh, that's kind of where I'm getting to with that question. But great question. Great way to read the scripture and great way to have questions. And, you know, great response. And that's really one of the cool things about this experience is that um, a lot of the stuff you can't really attack on a Sunday morning. No. You know, so like super cool thing to be part of. So, and, you know, thank you for that question. Uh, moving on to the next one. Let's see what you got here. He's got lots of notes, so we're in for a good one. Uh, this question says, Holy Spirit brings up our issues with, uh, as you said, the tender mercies and welcomes us to work on them. Uh, they struggle to find out how they can overcome some of these issues. Uh, they're aware of the issue, but to be delivered from it is hard for them to grasp. Uh, an example they provide is they've been dealing with uh, fear of man and they recognize the need to put their ultimate hope in God, yet all of these emotions cling to uh, the, the fear, the intimidation, the people-pleasing, and so on. Uh, what do they need to do to get free from this issue and overcome it? Yeah, great question. Um, and obviously, you know, it's different for everybody uh, and, and how they approach these things. But uh, uh, you're, you're well on the way because you're recognizing it. See, a lot of people won't even ask the hard questions. So that's huge, and that's important. But um, in those places where, where we get stuck, where we're like, we know that we, we shouldn't be stuck there, but we're still stuck, um, oftentimes what really helps us is, is talking it through with people who are a little further on in the Lord. And um, someone that we can trust... Um, someone who you know won't talk about the things you're saying to anybody else. Someone who won't be freaked out by them. Um, and and uh, uh, I think oftentimes that's how you get there. It's that these things that sort of sit in the darkness a little bit, they just need to get into the light. And there's something about getting them up and into the light that just changes it. Um, and And so... Uh, this is, you know, where I would suggest uh, um, thinking about talking through some of these things. It's somebody that's safe. And, uh, um, and you know, certainly, um, I, I know who asked the question. If you, if you, you know, want me to help you point you in that direction, I can, I can do that. And, and just begin to, to work through some of them, you know, sort of one at a time. I said that that's kind of how he does it. He brings up something and we get there. Brings up there. You know, in, in my own life, uh, you know, I've, I would value... The times of talking to a Christian therapist. I think that's necessary. Um, I've spent some time doing that. And I've been challenged uh, <laughs> significantly in, in those times. Uh, and I think that's really good. I also have uh, people in my life that are further on this journey than me. Uh, in particular, I have, I have one really good friend who I would consider a mentor. He's 20 years uh, my senior. We've done a lot of traveling together. Um, and um, I've asked him a lot of things. And I can sort of look up 
to where he's at and, and see what's going on. I think that's really important. So, you know, in most of our lives, I would, I would say this for, you know, for everybody in general, that you should have somebody uh, in your life who's about 20 years ahead of you that you can sort of look to and ask questions about. And get around. You should have somebody in your life who's you would say is your peer, who's kind of where you are and walking with you. And then a really important thing is, no matter how long you've been doing this, you have somebody that's further behind you that you're helping. Because there's something about that that um, will keep you moving in the right direction. Uh, and so those three relationships, I think, are key in our lives. And they take a while. And you can't just do it like that. You, and again, you need to find safe people, look for who God's providing. And until you can find those things, uh, you know, you might want to speak with a pastor, a counselor, uh, just to have you, you know, sort of overcome some of those things so that they're not sticking points. But that you're seeing it is huge, and I think that's a big step in, in sort of moving past some of those things. You know, I'd like to just be able to say, you know, just, you know, there's a Bob Newhart counseling skit that, that's really funny. If you ever get a chance, <laughs> we, we love that go, and, go, and go to YouTube and, and Google Bob Newhart, it's stop from, it. Uh, the old mad TV. Yeah, thing. yeah, and, yeah, and these people come with these really hard questions, and he just looks at them and goes, stop it. <laughs> I'm afraid of being buried alive in a box. Yeah. Well, stop. Yeah. <laughs> You have to go watch a clip now to understand why that's so funny. And I'm not making light of this. No, if it were that simple, that's what we do. It's not. It's and not. some of these things just have to be worked through. But that you're aware of it is huge. Stop it or I'll bury you alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So many people aren't aware of it that, that um, they, they, can't, they don't understand why they're getting stuck. That you're aware of it is huge. So this is a big win. It puts you way out of the game. And then it's just realizing that the enemy uses that stuff. So we want to get it up into the light in a safe way so that the enemy can't beat us around with it. And then we start to find freedom. So that's a great question. Awesome. All right, next one. It's a good one. Uh, I can see that the words of knowledge, the ministry time that uh, you and mom have at the end of each service is spirit-led. Uh, is there scripture on this to be able to learn more? Yeah, and um, they were specifically asking about words of knowledge. Um, and uh, so, yeah, you know, 1 Corinthians 12 is a great place to go and look at spiritual gifts. There's a list of them there and, and uh, how they uh, operate. Um, and, and you can see it in different spots in the Old Testament. Uh, as I was kind of trying to look for a, a good way to give an answer, uh, I did find something uh, at Blue Letter Bible. Uh, .org. So if you, if you sort of Google Blue Letter Bible and then Chuck Smith, the Calvary Chapel guy, and Words of Knowledge, a teaching comes up that he did that I think is real simple and real good. Um, there's books on the subject. But, you know, um, so obviously we believe the Holy Spirit's with us and, and uh, th that he gives us gifts uh, and that uh, a word of knowledge is one that I think... Um, uh, and he... The thing about gifts, too, is you, you, you want to be careful that you don't go, well, I, I'm, I have a, the gift of the word of knowledge. Um, the gifts, I, I think, are for everybody as God needs them released. And he just looks for people that are willing to step out into them. So, um, uh, you know, why we might have um, be more inclined in certain areas to just sort of jump in. I think God uses whosoever he's got in a situation with whatever needs to be done. He's just looking for people that are willing. So, you know, we sort of open ourselves up there at the end and just, you know, we're asking God, hey, is there anything that you would like us to share? And um, then we try and follow through on that. Uh, and then, then people go, well, what if you're wrong? Well, we, we try not to be and we try and be very careful. But, you know, a lot of times I think it's better to sort of 
take that little step, hoping that you're going to connect with someone, than it is to just not say anything. Um, because uh, often, very, very often, it's something that somebody needs to hear. So, um, so yeah, all, all of the gifts are amazing. And, and um, we, you know, we want to be open to them as much as we can in the environment we have. Now, be, before the pandemic... Uh, once a month, we would have a ministry time that we called Night Watch, where really we would really focus in, uh, and it would it would be about leaning in and really listening for what God was up to, and then praying for those things. We haven't done them since because just the manner of that sort of requires um, um, not social distancing. Yeah, we're up, we're touching, we're listening, we're uh, so so we've had to put those on hold. Um, but yeah, in that setting, then when you're really leaning in for that, then then even more of that stuff begins to see, you know you seem to be able to tap into more of that stuff. So um, yeah, I, you know that that one suggestion I gave you: read the scripture. You can Google it. Just make sure there's some sort of way out there stuff that you want to be careful of. But you can you can get some ideas of what's going on in that that uh, piece by Chuck Smith. He had a bunch of Old Testament stuff sort of listed there that I thought was pretty good. So um, so there you go. If you can't find it. Just let me know, and I, I will send you the link. Maybe uh, we can try to put it in the comments okay. or, the, or the, you know, the about section of this video. So yeah. we, can, we can probably do that. All right. All right. Um, next one. You mentioned, you, that we can fall short in being an example, uh, that it's a process we go through. How do you deal with the times of falling short in being an example? Uh, when this person falls short as being an example, they can feel the enemy attack them with shame. How can they implement grace for themselves in this situation? Yeah, um, well, we're just not perfect. And, and you won't be. I, I mean, it, there are times when you will fall short. So uh, you kind of have to remind yourself, in the scripture I go to, and I'm not giving myself license to fall short. I, I want to do the next right thing. That's my heart. But I don't always live up. What do I do? Well, if the enemy tries to beat me up that with guilt and shame, I remember, you know, Romans, there's now no condemnation um, for us. So uh, I know that God's not doing that. Um, And uh, there's a difference between sort of Holy Spirit conviction and condemnation. Conviction will lead you to Jesus. Condemnation will make you want to hide and run the other way. So conviction is kind of like, ooh, Lord, I'm sorry that I did that. And will sort of spin you back to him. To, to sort of, you know, connect, reconnect, and realize that you need work. You know, the, you know one of the things I, I, we talk about sometimes about confession of sin and stuff, and people go, well, if I'm forgiven, why do I need to confess sin? The word confess is actually a neat compound word, homo logeo, which means, um, you know, it, your word is right, basically. It's, it's you know, it, it's God, I should do it your way. Not my way. And that's kind of in, in confession. It's not just going to God and saying, well, I'm sorry for that. It's like, no, you God, uh, not beyond that, because uh, I know I'm forgiven already. I want to do it right. I want to do it your way. And so I'm leaning in so that I don't keep doing it in the way that I shouldn't. So you sort of separate conviction and condemnation. And then you realize that no matter how hard you try, you're never always going to get it right. Um, but you will at times. And, and the more that you do, the more that you're likely to. And don't let the enemy beat you up with shame and guilt because... You know, we, we still fall short. I, I still, I've talked about driving, my driving for years, and I still get upset when people aren't doing what they're <laughs> supposed to do. And I don't generally act on it anymore, but I do think about it, and I do notice my heartbeat, right? You know, those kind of things. It's like, why? What? You know, um, uh, it's just a thing. So you keep engaging, keep pressing in, try and do the next right thing. 
don't beat yourself up when you fall short. Uh, again, it's not licensed to go sin. It's like, I don't want to do that. But you learn from it, and you, then you continue to grow. Great question. Awesome. All right, next one. Uh, you mentioned that we are to be in the Word and to pass it down to our children. What have you found to be the most effective way to get ki- kids and teens interested about the Bible? Candy. Uh, I say that because it's a reward thing. And I was just thinking about when, uh, when Douglas was younger in children's church, they used to do contests for scripture oh, yeah. and, and uh, ask questions and stuff. And if they knew them, they got candy. And Douglas always had a pocket full of candy. So he had a reason to know the Bible. And he, he'd been around it a long time. Um, he, uh, I, again, I, as, you know, as I was saying this, the best way to make them interested is to, is to demonstrate your own interest in it. And kids pick up a lot of things that way. I can remember when Doug was a young man walking into his room and there was a season when uh, if he wasn't playing guitar, which he would do when he woke up for hours, uh, the Bible would be open and I'd be shocked. Uh, you know, not happily shocked, but you know what I mean. That, it, that, that was really cool that those things happened. So you, you pass them on more than anything. And if your kids see that it's important to you and that you're taking time to introduce it, then they often will um, pick it up. Now... They also, too, unfortunately, um, pick up your bad habits, too. They do all those things, <laughs> but they'll, they'll often, with kids, there comes a time when they think that you're stupid, um, and, and they, they will reject it <clears throat> just on that basis. <coughs> but, um, excuse me, I have encouraged a lot of people to wait, and that it kicks around again, and all of a sudden, the kids will realize, oh, there was some really good stuff there, and I need to get back to it. So, so those things happen as well. Um, just make it an encouragement, you know, um, and I, I think if you, you know, you value it um, in front of them, that's, that's probably the best thing that you can do uh, in, in, in this journey. And then, it's just, you know, at some point kids are kids and they're difficult. Uh, read the other day has a picture, a uh, color. Uh, well, it's, we read, we have two Bibles. There's one, uh, Alicia, who's part of the Bible Institute, gave us. One that was made by Phil Vischer, who was one of the co-creators of VeggieTales. And so, the, you know, Kim and part of the homeschooling with the kids. We homeschool our kids now because of, you know, it was virtual school. And we're like, we'll just do it ourselves. So, it, you know, she'll read a story in that. And then she'll read a story in the Beginner's Bible, which was around when I was that age. And, um, you, you know, my kids love playing Minecraft, right? So they're asking Minecraft questions, you know, all the time. But in the car the other day... Reed starts asking about, so do we get a new body after we die? <laughs> so I think it's just involving them, talking about things in front of them without forcing them. Right. So, you know, if you can involve them and, you know, like Dad said, make it, make it positive without, you know, shoving it down their throats, I think that's key. Now, you know, my kids are seven and five. They haven't quite hit that age where I'm stupid yet. I'm the all-knowing guy who plays Minecraft and Smash Bros. with them from time to time. So... But, you know, and then another reason why we got along and were able to do stuff like this is you were always involved with me and my interests, too. So, like, as a parent, having a good relationship with your kid gives you a voice into your child about important stuff, like the word, you know. So it's, it's just it's a relationship with your kid. It's involving them in the process and, you know, letting them ask some of those tough questions that are just like, 
wow. And, you know, like, the next minute, it was some ridiculous Minecraft question after he starts asking these deep theological questions. Like, this is all over the place. And the Minecraft questions are sometimes just as hard to answer. Yeah. <laughs> Probably harder. But yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's my two cents about it. No, it was it? good. And, yeah. I, you know, we were, I was FaceTiming with him, and Reed was there, and, and uh, he was pointing. He was showing, show him, look at my Bible. And, and I'm like, good. I, you know, that's, that does my heart good. Yeah. That means, you know. Because my hope was to pass it on to my kids so that they pass it on to their kids. And, and also, you know, um, coming from a, uh, some, so, you know, some of you know my story, we weren't a church family at all. Um, that, that hopefully a lot of the, the, the good stuff would start with me and pass down and the bad stuff that it would stop with me and not continue on. Uh, and that we take a stand there. And all that's part of it. So, but great question. Awesome. That's some great questions today. Next one. Do you think that there's value in reading different translations of the Bible? Sure. Um, and, and I would encourage it. You know, uh, so, so right now I've asked people to read through. I would, I would stick through it in one translation as long as it's easy to read. Sometimes people make a mistake of, I want to be careful I say this, reading a translation that's difficult to understand because it's not sort of in the, the normal language that you would be used to. So um, uh, people ask me, you know, so I tend to read out of the NIV, um, and I think it's a, it's a good translation. It's not perfect. None of them are perfect, perfect. Um, even the oldest one isn't perfect, perfect to the language. That's why you read several different sort of translations. You know, there's a group of scholars and theologians who would say the only really accurate ones are in the original languages. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. which is like... It's not doable for most of us. Yeah, yeah, because most of us don't know Hebrew and Greek. Uh, But it's, you know, it's like it's bouncing between, you know, and there's resources for us who don't, who aren't able to read Hebrew and Greek. Right. You know, like the Strong's and stuff. So I think it's important to check with that. And you do that frequently. You know, Pastor Billy does that a lot. So, you know, that's a good thing to do. And, you know, the the Greek, if you you start looking at that, mostly you need to know that we have issues with tense. T-E-N-S-E, in our language, in the Greek language. And so you have to know that there's, a, there's this issues with tense going on, T-E-N-S-E. Uh, and that makes a difference in the way that you read. But having a few different translations is really good. Uh, I, um, I can remember years ago, before we had access to everything else, they came out with parallel Bibles, which was on a page you'd have, uh, or on two pages, the one that I really loved. Special software. <laughs> well, this was in a book, and it had four, it had four different wow. translations when you opened it up. And I was like in heaven. I was like, this is so amazing. Um, now on my computer, I usually pull up two uh, or three. Um, and you also need to know there's a difference between a translation and a paraphrase. So a translation is, is actually going directly to the original language and then translating it basically word for word, thought for thought. Uh, a, a paraphrase sort of takes an idea and then writes it that way. So the Message Bible, great to read, is a paraphrase. Um, so you need to be aware of that. Uh, where uh, you know the NIV is the one I usually would. That's a translation. The New American Standard Bible is a translation. Um, uh, so so there's a difference between the two. But yeah, I would recommend that you read through several translations, and I like them all. People, I I I, I often they're all your favorite. Right? Well, I have I often when I'm studying, I'll have the NIV open, I'll have the King James open too, uh, and uh, because of the references quicker there, the um, 
the concordance online. And so I like to read what's going on with that. And, you know, there's I, I, I like the New American Standard. I like the NSV. I like uh, the New King James. I like, you know, I, I'm, I'm very, uh, I like to read them all. They're all a little bit different. And so, um, so you find one that you sort of like that's a good translation and, and um, you'll be fine. Now, some people would say, oh, you, uh, they, they would hate everything I just said. And uh, that's okay, too. And, you know, and I don't, I don't get into those long debates. You know, I've had people that kind of go, well, if you're not reading this, and, then, and I always say, you, you really think that by reading the NIV, I, I, it couldn't get somebody saved? And, and I, you know, I, but then I don't want to get into those arguments, so I don't. So anyway. So somebody had just messaged me about, you know, my thoughts on translations. So they were like, you know, grew up on the King James, kind of hard to read, which, you know, thou hast said, you know, like, I get it. It's hard to read, so... Uh, I suggested, well, you know, Dad reads out of the NIV. I, I sort of do the NASB, which is the New American Standard. Um, so I suggested that one. And that's, you know, you just, yeah, they're, they're all good, right? Yeah. You know, most of them. And, but yeah. I, you know. yeah, there might be some that I, I'm, I mean, I, I'm not going to give you a list. Well, don't ever read that one. I, you know, no, stick yeah, with not. the NIV, the New American Standard, King James. New King James is, you know, easier. All right. uh, they're all, I think they're all great. And if you really want to be a purist, learn Hebrew and Greek. Yes. So, there, there you go. That would be the, <laughs> the hardcore yeah. answer there. Yeah. Um, I don't think... Uh, anyway, yeah. I, I, you know, use Strong's for most of us. Yeah. <laughs> Moving right along, do you have any advice on ministering to a person who is suffering from a misplaced ultimate hope being crushed? Yeah, you know, lots of grace. Um... And then, it's tough. You know, grief is tough. Uh, hard things are... Th- the tragedies in this life are hard to understand. Uh, um, wondering why sometimes God isn't doing something that you want him to do. Uh, you know, I think of, a, of, of you know, people that I know that are struggling with disease. And, you, 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 you know, you have to ask yourself why. Um, you know, you could do something. Why won't you? What's the issue? What's going on? Uh, and and so you kind of hang on to those after you've experienced in them, and you realize that there's a bigger story, and that we're part of a bigger story. And this this part of our journey is very very temporary. Um, you can really only grab a hold of that, you know, after sort of understanding what it means to walk with Jesus and, and being a believer for a while. Um, I often uh, you may have heard me talk in the past about Psalm 42 and 43. Um, when uh, the psalmist is going through a real hard time and that he actually clings to God with his why. Uh, it's, and the, the why is actually a faith thing. It's, God, I, I know you could do these things. I don't know why you're not. But, but because I know who you are, even that thought means, you know, that I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Um, kind of carefully steering people in that direction. But it's hard to sort of get their hopes realigned, uh, especially once they're through it. And... and uh, so, you know, if, if they're believers, you try and sort of get them back into the bigger story uh, and know that, you know, this is very temporary and, and there's much more to the story. So, um, yeah, those are hard. You know, mourning with people who mourn is tough. takes a lot of grace. Um, you have to be very careful not to just, you know, be cliche or, or you know, uh, just kind of maybe if you can sort of walk it with them a little bit, um, those things would be helpful. Good question. Awesome. Great answer. All right. A couple more questions. This is a good one. Uh, in 1 Timothy 4, verse 12, 
this person's assuming that Paul was implying that people had been questioning Timothy's leadership uh, because he was young. Do you think there's a tendency for older generations to dismiss younger leaders simply because they think they're too young? Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it goes both ways. Because Paul's response to Timothy is, listen, because you're a young leader, you need to make sure that you're going above and beyond in the way that you live. Don't, don't give people excuses for not having to listen to you because you're not living up to what you need to live up to. I think it's also important that we don't push people too quickly into leadership. Um, You know, their life has to measure up to it, uh, and they have to be willing to take on. Because leadership is tough. And and, uh, Christian leadership, there's a lot of this pushback from the enemy that, that you don't understand until you're in it. And, and, and so you don't want people who aren't ready for that to be tossed into it. So, so I think it goes both ways. You, you have to have uh, younger leaders need to understand that they really need to set an example because they are sort of working against the age thing. Um, older people need to understand that God gifts younger people and, and that we need to be a, a willingness to listen and, and, uh, See what's going on with them. Um, so, you know, I, I um, became a senior pastor when I was 32. Um, and I was often challenged by other folks at that age, uh, which, I, you know, I look back on and think is kind of funny. Um, and, and there is one thing with age is that I, I don't get that challenge anymore. I get other challenges, but it's not, you know, my age. So I had to really work hard to make sure that I was studied and prepared, trying to live my life the best that I could, had answers when I was asked. was also um, able to tell people if I didn't know something, I'm not sure, but I will go and find out for you and let me pray about it and think about it um, and, and move into that direction. Um, and even now, you know, I, I still encounter people who are convinced that they would be way better at doing what I do than me. And, uh, and I get that. And I, I, can, I, can, I have room for that. I mean, uh, that happens everywhere, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and whenever you do, people that have, have never done it think they can do it better than you. And that's just life. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, so all those things are in there. So, yeah, I, I think age is a thing. Um, we're blessed we have some young leaders here. Uh, and I really try and listen to them. And um, implement what I think is wisdom and then, you know, lead them where I think it might not be. But um, uh, I think there needs to be a mix, you know, and I'm, I realize, uh, so, you know, I, I think I say this a lot, I'm 60. And I'm, from what I've read, my influence is, is pretty much at this point in my life is stronger with people that are 10 years on either side of me than it would be in other places. So in that 70 to 50 year old group. They're there. Now, I still have some reach back because I, I try and stay open and move those things. But I also am aware that uh, people that grew up uh, younger than me. Now, I mean, I, I, I understand some of Doug's stuff um, and he's 30, but is uh, because we, we he grew up you know, around me. But his his generation has different ways of looking at things than I do. And so I have to respect that. And then, you know, we've got, we've got guys here that are 10 years younger than that, you know. And so we listen, we try and take in what, what they're living through because their whole thing was different. And I, I would say that there was a time when things didn't change that much in a 20-year period or a 30-year period. But now these, these, these groups are, that are five years apart are way different yeah. in their experience. 
um, because things are speeding up so much. And, you know, uh, we, we still laugh sometimes because I, I grew up without a cell phone and, and we were talking, I had a landline. They don't even know how to dial landlines. Well, I, I could figure out a rotary phone. Let's... Have you ever dialed a rotary Seriously, have you I, ever, ever dialed a rotary phone? I think I have. I remember doing it as a young child. There were still some, you know, okay. grandma, grandpa type folks here at church that had those. And, yeah. you know, did it eight, goes back seven. Yeah, two, do it? Yeah, yeah. But, three, you know, for four. some people, but, you know, just the idea of not having a cell phone. Uh, and, you know, so things change. So I think we just have to be very careful of that and be aware of that. And, and, uh, as, as we get older, we need to be willing to listen to the younger ones, and the younger ones need to understand that just because they, they might think that they're smarter than old people. Uh, <laughs> old people have something to add to the conversation. Well, who is the, the king in the Old Testament? Was it Jeroboam had the, had the older counsel from his father that gave him advice, and they gave him sound advice. Then he had his buddies that gave him very aggressive advice. Do you remember... I, I, it was one of the bones. It was, it was either Rehoboam or Jeroboam. I can't remember which one. Because uh, those two are, happened very close together. And, and uh, they, they caused trouble. Uh, but one takes the northern kingdom and goes. And I can't remember which one. I think that's Jeroboam. Yeah. And I, I think it's Rehoboam who stays. He might have been the one. Yeah, but it was bad advice. Well, well yeah. So, you know, the important thing as a young leader is to value both inputs, filter, and... You know, do that. And as a young leader, uh, one of the challenging things, and it's not even a challenge, because like here, we're so blessed, everybody's been great, but there's a level of familiarity someone like me's had who's grown up here dealing with older people. So now I'm in a leadership position, and they saw me when I was, you know, you know, a, a teenager and an acne faced <laughs> teenager. So it, it, it's kind of a different dynamic. And, you know, all of our folks have done great with that, but there's still that, like, sometimes it's difficult to really lead somebody you've known for that long um so i think it's as a young leader you 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 definitely want to value the the sage advice and be able to filter the young advice with what's good and bring them together and work together because i'd say here uh, we're very blessed we're very multi-generational in in terms of our leadership team so uh you just have to kind of listen and stay humble and makes everything easier when yeah yeah, we're pretty well covered at the 10-year points, 60s, 50s, 40s, 30s, 20s. 20s. I, I'm, I'm going to be 30 this week. Which right. is, yeah, you said I'm 30. I'm like, I'm not 30 yet. It's, oh, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm 30 on the 20th. of, And that's, yeah, as if this recording, it'll be two days from now. Yeah. So. Well, I was thinking of you, you're 30 years younger than me, and I'm 60 right. now. So I know right. there's a few months of gray in there. So, yeah, just it's a respect thing uh, all around and a willingness to listen. And then, you know, ultimately... Uh, leadership is about trying to hear from God and doing that. It's really not about your way. And that's a big part of being a leader. It's about trying to do it his way. And, uh, and so, yeah, good question. Yeah. All right, we got uh, one more question left. Uh, in this person's daily reading, they went through the story of the centurion's faith in Matthew. And Jesus makes a comment right before he heals the servant that seems like it comes out of left field and has nothing to do with the rest of the context. And that's in Matthew chapter 8, verses 11 through 12. Could you explain that passage for them, please? Yes. So again, let me, I, let me quickly read it through the story. we got time. Yeah, verse 5, Matthew 8. 
But when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed in terrible sufferings. And Jesus said, I will go and heal him. And the centurion replied, Lord, I don't deserve you to have to come under my roof, but just say the word, my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those falling, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and all will take their place at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I would say that's probably the comment that, that we're referencing here. Then Jesus said to the turn, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. So, so why is Jesus saying that? Well, here's the thing. Jesus is coming at this point. And he's first ministering to the people of Israel. That's who he's called to. That's his whole thing. And in fact, that's who he does ministry for. And, and here comes a centurion, uh, a Roman, who gets it more than the people that he's reaching out. See, he's by and large being rejected by the people he's going to. He's being, uh, you know, there's lots of stories about that. You know, that uh, sort of the, you know, the, the vineyard and everything. It's the father finally sends a son and surely they'll listen to him. And they're not. They're not listening to him. And then here comes this this pagan, basically, who sees what Jesus is doing, realizes what's going on, and says, you know, I have a servant that's sick. Could you heal him? And he gets it. And um, Jesus says, I'll go with you. And he says, you don't have to. You just got to say the word. I get it. Uh, and Jesus is like, Wait, how? this guy gets it. And yet the people who should get it don't get it. <laughs> and, and that's kind of his comment. And he's saying, listen, the, he's announcing the kingdom of God. He said, the kingdom of God is here. He, he keeps saying that. To the people of it, the kingdom is here. Everything you've been waiting for, it's here. Right in front of you. And, and uh, he says, the time's coming because he knows what's going to happen. It's going to be opened up to everybody, the east, the west. And they're going to come and get it. And yet, you guys who should get it, don't get it. And you, you won't have access to it when you shut it out. And that's the sadness of what's going on. But it's the reality of what's taking place. So, so that's his whole thing there. Uh, he, he's saying, listen, if you don't get this, the end is not good. Uh, and, um, you know, we, we talk about that sometimes. I, I said the other day in a message talking about the story, uh, we get to pick our ending. And, and, you know, you choose rightly and you end up at the wedding supper of the Lamb. You choose wrongly and you don't. Uh, and, and, and yet the choice is clear. So uh, that, that was the heart of Jesus. He's just saying, look, how... You know, you can see Jesus going, the Romans are getting it, and you refuse to get it. And so that's kind of the thing. He's just saying, okay, well, here's the deal. And, uh, the, you know, this is the kind of faith that you need to have. The Messiah is here, he's a, he, and, and he's demonstrating it, and he's seeing the power of God moving. And yet the people who should recognize it first and foremost, and, you know, I always say this, too. I often say this. I think they did recognize it. They just didn't like the package, and so they reject Jesus. Um, because they're kind of worried about what it means for them. And so they're like, yeah, we don't like that. So anyway, good question, though, as you read. And, and uh, those do pop up there, but that's the bigger picture of what's going on. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for those questions. Great to be a part with you guys. Uh, going into church this week, we have Keep in Step, Part 5. We're looking at the book of Galatians. Yes. Like. You want to give us a little sneak peek? For this week's sermon? Yes. So um, what I thought I would do with the rest of this series is, is try and take a 
book, like Galatians, a letter, and see how we can read it and then apply it. Because that, to me, what I've been taking along is the scriptures where we need to read it. That needs to be our heartbeat, mind, and then into our lives. So I was thinking about different sort of books we could do that with. And I, for a while, I thought I might do John and I thought I might do Acts. But after praying, I sort of settled here. And I think I was kind of being led this way anyway because keep in step is actually a verse out of Galatians. Later on that we'll see, you know, if we live by the Spirit, we need to keep in step with the Spirit. So it just seemed right that we would do that. So we're going to enter in this week. Uh, here's a little tip. So it, read Galatians 1, uh, like the first 11 verses, and then go to Galatians 6 and read the, the back end, read the end of it. Uh, I think it's 11 to 18, something like that, 10 to 18 in Galatians 6. And why I suggest that, I'm just doing it for you guys. Oftentimes, when you're in the Bible, um, if you read the letters, if you kind of read the first chapter and the last chapter, it gives you a clue as to what the whole thing is about, uh, particularly true with Paul. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've said over the years to people, read the first two chapters of Genesis and read the last two chapters of Revelation and see how well they fit. Um, that's something you can do when you're reading the Bible. So we'll start that. I'll give them that little tip. And then... Um, we're going to dig in to what's happening with Scripture, and this, this week we're, we're talking about, uh, ultimately, about Cross Plus. And, uh, Sounds like an Apple subscription I know. kind of deal. Cross Plus. <laughs> um, Cross Plus is the, uh, the tendency most of us have to add, try to add things to the gospel uh, that we think need to be added there. Like, yeah, this is how you get saved. You need Jesus. Make him your Lord and Savior. And you need to do these things. And you need not to do these things. And, and see, that's all cross plus. And got to stay away from that. But if, if you really look at your own life, you will see that you've probably been doing some cross blessing for you and for other folks. And uh, it gets us off track a little bit. So that's kind of what we'll be looking at um, in this first week. Awesome. Looking forward to it. How about you? What's coming up worship-wise? Yeah, so uh, actually cool thing, um, you know, we work with a camera company called PTZ Optics there, and they do, a, you know, like a quarterly worship conference thing. It's all digital Zoom, and we've been a part of the last few. We get to be a part of it again, so I'll probably share that on our, like, on my personal page if you're interested. It was this last weekend set, so if you saw it, it's cool. But it, it's cool to be a part of those things, you know, uh, Real conferences are hard to bring the whole team to, <laughs> so yeah. sending the set over the cloud is really cool. But uh, this week's set, uh, we're actually going to start. Pastor Jerry's with us. He'll be on keys. He's leading Agnus Dei. That's the holy, holy, I mean, classic song. So uh, he'll be doing that. Uh, Miss Mira Lynn and uh, Joe are going to be playing with us as well. Uh, she's going to be leading Heal Our Land by Carrie Job. And then after that, uh, my wife, Kim, will lead the song Worthy by Elevation Worship. And uh, we'll tag Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, that hymn. We'll just we like to do a little hymn tag at the end of the song, so we'll do that there. And then uh, we're going to end with the new song we did this last weekend, Egypt, uh, by Corey Asbury from Bethel. So I uh, really like that song a lot. And uh, we just made a version of that available on the YouTube page. So uh, if you're watching on YouTube, great. Hopefully you've subscribed to the channel. If you haven't, do that. And uh, you can watch that there. We've got some other songs available there as well. So uh, cool stuff going on there. Uh, other church announcements. We have another movie night coming up. 
yes. couple weeks. We're showing the Nutcracker and the Four Realms. That's December 4th. Correct. OMY's back on a monthly thing. We're going to be meeting December 2nd. Uh, one of the things we're going to do at OMY is an ugly mask contest. So you can decorate your mask, make it really, like, Christmassy and stuff, and we'll give you a prize for that. So I thought that was kind of a nice twist. On nice. That. I like that. And um, baptism, December 12th? Uh, yes, I believe so. I believe it's on a Saturday. Let me check my calendar. It's that second Saturday. I believe it's the 12th of December, and it is yep. the 12th of December. And Hanukkah starts December 11th. There you go. It's the second day of... And then um, people have been asking me, candlelight services. Yes, we're doing them. We're doing three of them. Uh, we will be doing candle lighting services here with the music and everything that we do. Christmas Eve, obviously, that'll be the 24th, which I think is a Thursday. 4.30, 6, 6 and 7.30. And uh, I'm still debating which ones to live stream. Of course, in the virtual day and age, maybe we'll just live stream all three of them. I would. That way you don't so, have to worry about it. That way you can pick and choose which one you like. So you can. Yeah. And if like, you're going to be watching from home, get a candle. Or, or you know, they, like, they have a candle <laughs> app on your phone, too, if you don't want to. Maybe you live in a condo where you're not allowed to have flames in yeah, or well, something. There you go. Yeah, yeah. It's options. It's a virtual age. You can have a virtual candle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually have to open up the app that lets me end the recording, so I'm going to do that. Uh, you closed too soon. I did. Yeah, I was closing shop up here. There's the recording button. So thanks for being a part. Uh, this podcast is made possible by you guys. We are the church, Keys Vineyard Community Church. We'll be meeting this Saturday night. The live stream will start at 6.55. We also got Sunday morning, 8, 9.30, and 11-ish. And uh, would love for you to be a part of that as well. Also, uh, the Bible Institute, big supporter of this podcast here. You can log on to online, bibleinstitute.org. Sign up for classes. Get your associate's bachelor's for free. Good stuff. Do that if you haven't. What's our student count at now? We're still like a... 1205, 1210, something like that. You know, it it kind of, you know, 1200 people have signed up for class. And, you know, even if you just want to continue to learn, I I am a a huge fan of staying involved, continuing education. I take classes every morning, six days a week. I do do classes and I've done that for years because I want to keep growing and learning. And I think it's really important not to assume that you've arrived. So beyond, you know, degrees, uh, there are lots of classes you can take for free that I just think are good for you, good for your mind, good to keep involved, you know, set aside some time every day. That's what I do. I have, you know, 30 minutes or so every morning that I spend doing lessons. And um, it's a great, great thing. So, you, you know, don't don't be put off because you think, well, I, I, don't, I don't care about working towards a degree. Don't. Just take classes. Yeah. Hey, you don't have to take a degree if you don't want to. Just take classes. Yeah. Uh, also, check out the Keys Vineyard app. Uh, all sorts of cool stuff going on. And uh, anyway, we're just so glad to be church with you guys. Yes. So we'll see you this weekend. Goodbye, Vineyard. Goodbye, Vineyard. for watching today's service from Keys Vineyard Community Church. Make sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.